Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Any day now. Run! Run! Good morning, everybody. My name is Josh. Welcome to our 1130 service at ACF. And man, we are so excited that you guys are here with us today. I am loving this series that we're in. Um, I wanted to say happy Super Bowl Sunday to you if you care about that. And the only thing I want to say about that is I hope the 49ers go to bed sad tonight. That's it. Nothing else about it. I don't care who wins. I just know who I want to lose. But... uh, we, uh, we've been in a series now since the beginning of the year that we've been walking through called Pace Yourself. And we've been talking about setting a pace for our life. That the pace that we live in as a culture, the pace that we live in um, in, our, in our workplaces, in our families, in the church, in our communities, our pace is a bit out of control. Um, we live this crazy pace in life, always in a hurry. And, and this is really kind of not even really that debated anymore. Just with the, the uh, advancement of technology that we have and our phones and social media, and we're always trying to cram more and more and more into our day, into our life, and we can't add any more time. And so what we do is we start living at these unhealthy paces in our life. And it's having real effects in our life, like physically it has effects on us, spiritually, mentally it has effects on us. And so we've been reading through a book as a church, we've encouraged you guys to read through it, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And we've just kind of tried to slow down this new year to go, hey, what are some things we could add to our lives? What are some things that we can implement to help us live healthy paces in our lives? And if you haven't been around for any of those, or maybe you're new today, it's your first time here, or maybe you've just been gone. I know a lot of you guys are just getting back from JROTC, and so I would encourage you guys, go back and watch what we've been talking about. But we've talked about adding some disciplines in our lives. Things like silence and solitude, to plan to get away, maybe it's for a couple hours, maybe it's for a couple days, but that is healthy for us to, a couple times in the year, to have solitude and to continually fight for some silence in our lives. We talked about Sabbath and how God gave us this thing, this rest, and how we desperately need rest in our lives. Like, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you are a churchgoer or you're not, um, People understand we need to have rest. Our minds need to rest. Our souls need to rest. Even like our phones or our watches now tell us like, hey, it's time to take a break and rest for, you know, one minute. Like we get that we need to rest. Last week we talked about one of the reasons we live at this incredible pace is because we're always trying to grasp at stuff. We're always trying to reach for something to satisfy our souls. 
And when we reach for something and it doesn't satisfy our souls, we're like, okay, we got to find something else. we got to find something else. So we talked about living a life of simplicity. Not living a life with nothing, but living a life with less and understanding where our satisfaction really, truly comes from. And that it can only be found in Jesus. Satisfaction for our souls, which is something that we are all after. Well, today we're going to continue this conversation about how to reset our lives to live at healthy paces. And today we're going to talk about this amazing discipline called slowing, slowing, slowing down. See, I was going through this and I was starting to study for this and just read through the book and I understood something when I was done reading the book, when I was done doing kind of my study for today, and that is this, I love hurry. I am addicted to hurry. I love hurry. And, and it's, like, it's like little things. Like, I just love to be fast. I love going fast. I love thinking fast. I love walking fast, right? Like, I am just, I'm on a mission when I'm walking. It doesn't matter if I'm actually on a mission. If I'm just going for a walk or if I'm trying to get from point A to point B, I love to walk fast. And it was funny because he actually talks about that in the book as a sign of hurry. And I'm like, oh, man, really? Like, I love to walk fast. I enjoy, maybe you don't enjoy this, I enjoy going to like the mall at Christmas time just to see how fast I can walk through the crowd. Like, you should see me. I am really, I'm like, whoa, man, spin moving, ah. You know, I'm like, I'm going to get from point A to point B. I remember like going to like Disneyland with my family. And it, I, you know, my favorite thing was how fast could I get from one place to the other? It's like, hey, kids, we're not, we're, we're about to go for a ride. Buckle up. No, we're not going on a ride. We're going for a ride to see how fast we can get from one ride to the next. If I lose you, you know where to go. They'll call me. I'll come pick you up. Try to keep up. Right? Like, I just, I love to walk fast. Um, I love to be in a hurry. I remember uh, I was a youth pastor for about 18 years. And I was a youth pastor at this church in Washington State in uh, this small town called Kashmir, Washington. And the Kashmir is about two and a half hours away from Seattle. And so we'd go to Seattle frequently for events like youth events and sporting events. And sometimes we'd just go for the day, go have fun at Wild Waves and stuff. But everyone in the youth group knew this one very real but very unwritten rule. Go to the bathroom before you get on the bus because Josh ain't stopping. Right? Like... I would always tell the kids, like, hey, if you can make it two and a half hours through a movie, you can make it two and a half hours on the bus ride, right? We're going to get there, and we're going to get there quick. When we get there, we got nothing to do, but we're going to get there quick. Why? Because I needed to make good time, huh? Who else, when you're driving, you just got to make good time. It doesn't matter what that time is, but it's got to be good, right? I got to drive to Seattle faster than I did the last time. I got to make it there quicker. I got to avoid the traffic. I got to hit the perfect lanes, hit the perfect stoplight so I don't have to stop. I got to make good time. My name is Josh and I'm, I'm addicted to hurry, right? Like, but it's funny, as I was kind of researching this idea of hurry, I, I stumbled upon something and it's called hurry sickness. Have you ever heard of this? My question to you this morning is, do you suffer from hurry sickness? Hurry sickness is a real thing. It was coined by two cardiologists who started to see patterns in their patients, patterns in the lifestyle their patients were living when they were dealing with heart issues. In fact, they, they defined hurry sickness as this, a continuous struggle to accomplish more things and participate in more events in less time, frequently in the face of opposition, real or imagined, from other people. This idea like we can be more productive than ever because of our technology, so we must do more than ever. And it creates 
hurry sickness, which actually has physical effects on our hearts. It's crazy to think of. So these cardiologists, they came up with some questions, kind of a quiz, to discover if you suffer from hurry sickness. And so I know you didn't plan to take a test this morning in church, but we're going to do this together, shall we? Let's take the quiz to see if we suffer from hurry sickness. So here's the first question. Are you always in a hurry to get things done? Real simple. Even if you don't need to be in a hurry. It's like, man, I got six weeks to finish this project, but I'm going to finish it in six days because why not? Right? So question one, are you always in a hurry? Kind of mental check there. Okay, yes, no. Uh, Question two, do you walk fast? I read this. I was like, seriously? This is part of this figuring out if you have hurry sickness is if you walk fast? Well, I've already admitted to that. Um, Do you talk fast? Are you a fast talker? you're a fast talker, you, you may have hurry sickness in your life. Um, this next one is something, it's kind of unique. I know it, it, I struggle with it. I kind of thought, you know, not a lot of people would because um, it's just how unique it is. But do you get upset with other drivers who slow way down when making a right-hand turn? <laughs> just me? Right? Do you get upset? Like, they're slowing down. I'm like, you do not have to slow that far down to turn. I'm going to ram you with my car. (laughs) Do not slow that far down. Right? No, just me? Okay. Um, What else? Do you switch uh, lines in the checkout line because the other line next to you is going faster or you just notice everyone's got less items in line? So you're like, "Eh, I'm going in this one. Changing lanes, right? Is that you? Do you do that? Okay. Um, This one's actually kind of interesting. Do you often... Um, find it difficult to recall events from yesterday. In other words, what, what they're explaining about this is like, oh, what did I have for lunch yesterday? I don't even remember. Uh, who, who was I talking to? Who would I do business with? Who would I have interaction with? Like, I struggled to remember that because I was actually never presently fully there. I was, I was always in a hurry on to the next meeting, on to the next thing I have to do. So I was never fully present, never fully there, and I was always in a hurry. Might be a sign that you suffer from hurry sickness. Um, do you f- often find yourself interrupting people that you're talking to because their story is just taking way too long to tell? They're talking way too slow, so I got to interrupt them to keep them moving, keep them to hurrying on. Tell me what you have. To, what's the point you're trying to get to? Right? Is that you? Um, do you find yourself just impatient when you're waiting in line? Like it's just a line. You just have to wait, and now everyone's slowing you down, and now you get impatient, you get frustrated. How'd you do with your test? Everybody pass? Do you struggle with hurry sickness? Do you have hurry sickness? Um, I know I do. Yeah, hurry sickness. All right. I struggled hurry, and I'm proud of it, because I am fast. Going to get stuff done. Man, are you sick as I am? That's my question. Are you you as sick as I am? Because I am sick when it comes to this. Man, as I was looking... At this, we struggle. This is our society, right? This is our culture. We all struggle with this in one way or another, just trying to hurry through life. In the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, the author, he tells this story, and he he talks about this conversation between two pastors, and it's where he gets the title of the book. There's the pastor who was helping lead um, and grow uh, one of the biggest churches in the United States at the time. Is Willow Creek, and uh, there's a pastor there, and, and he seemed to be doing life well, right? And, and, and if, if you've ever had to work at a big business, work with a lot of people and all this type of stuff, uh, you, you'll find out quickly that sometimes when you 
that's the life you live, you find out you don't love people very well. You get frustrated with people. You have things like midlife crises, and you, you end up substituting what's good for like what's quick, and then it affects you in the long run. And so this one pastor saw this particular pastor named Dallas Willard, and he was living his life well. He was loving his family. He was loving the church. He was loving the people in the church. He wasn't like having these huge moral failures or other things that seemed to be associated with growing big churches because of the massive stress. And so this This pastor asked Dallas, he said, look, can I sit down with you and just talk to you for a little bit to figure out how you're living life well, how you're succeeding, you know, further on in your ministry and and doing such a great thing and yet still loving life? How did you do that? And Dallas said, of course you can come and sit down, have a conversation with me. And so this younger pastor sat down with Dallas and he said, okay, what are the secrets? So I'm ready to write them down. And so this is what Dallas said. This is a quote from the book. Dallas told him, Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day, and you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. This is the big secret. So this pastor writes that down. He's like, okay, what's next? Dell said, no, no, there is no next. That's it. You want to know the secret to living life well. You want to know the secret to going through life and succeeding in the things that are important, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Because Dallas understood this one thing. Hurry will absolutely kill our ability to become disciples of Jesus. Hurry will kill our ability to truly becoming disciples of Jesus. Now, it's an interesting question to ask, like, really, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Maybe you are coming to church for the first time ever in your life today, and you've heard this term, and maybe you've heard it before, but what does that mean? And honestly, maybe you've grown up in the church, and you've heard things like, oh yeah, we need to make disciples, we need to be disciples, but what does that mean? In a practical sense, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? I, I heard this quote the other day, I heard some people talking about it, and I love this. It's, it's, it's in its most basic, simple form. To be a disciple of Jesus is to love Jesus well and to love people well. That's it, that's simple. That we grow in our love for Jesus and that we grow in our love for people. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. I mean, Jesus talks about this in in John chapter 13. He's like, hey, he gathers the disciples up and he's like, I gotta tell you something really important. Here's what you need to know. The way the world is gonna know that you're followers of me is by doing this, loving each other well. And you think, really, that's it? Like, yeah, that's kind of hard to do. Let's start with that one, right? Let's see if we can do that well. And and you think about it, even in our current climate and our culture that we live in, to love each other well can be really hard at times. And especially when we live lives of hurry. Especially when we are always in a hurry. And again, hurry does not necessarily mean trying to get from point A to point B quickly, Our minds can be in hurry. Our souls can be in hurry. We're always on the phone, always on social media, always replying to an email, always replying to the text, never present in the moment, never there with the people you're there with. You're somewhere else. You're in a moment, but you're looking forward to the next moment. You're already thinking about the next opportunity when you're in this current opportunity. And so you can never be fully there, always being in a hurry. And hurry will kill our ability to be real, true disciples of Jesus. See, discipleship is something that we have to actually work for. We have to, like, plan for. We don't just become better disciples. Like, I've been a Christian for 10 years, and so I'm 10 years along in my discipleship. That's not the way it works. 
We have to be intentional, not accidental, with our lives, with our spiritual lives. And to live life intentionally and not live life accidentally means I have to make a plan for my discipleship. See, what we often don't think about is how do I maintain fruitfulness and faithfulness over the span of the next 50 years? Do you ever think about that? Like not, not how, do I, how do I, you know, walk through today and how do I work through today and how do I love Jesus more today and people more today, but have you ever thought about like 50 years from now, 40 years from now, what is my life going to look like? If I ever make it to 80 years old, how am I going to love Jesus more and people more when I'm 80 than I do today? To actually think that way and plan that way. See, hurry will just rob all of that right away from us to be able to do that. We don't have time to think about, Josh, you're talking 20 years from now. Let's just try to worry about tomorrow, shall we? And there is truth to that. Like, we do need to plan and make plans for tomorrow and understand how do I love Jesus more tomorrow. But, man, if I can understand how to love Jesus more 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, if I can start to make disciplines in my life today that will affect me far down the road, It's like the old saying, how does it go? When's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the second best time to plant a tree? Today. It's the same with our discipleship and our lives and our walk with Jesus. To start implementing these truths in our lives today. I love this quote by Carl Jung. He's a German um, psychiatrist. And he says this, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Like, think about it. What does it actually take to love Jesus more and to love people more? What does the Christian walk look like? Again, not the Christian race, not the Christian sprint, but the Christian walk, what does it look like? It looks like spending time in the word of God. Not just reading through the, done for today, on to tomorrow, but to spend some time in the word of God. You can't hurry through that. The Christian life looks like spending time in prayer. Not just going through the list, okay, God, here's what I need for today, here's what I need for today, I need this, I need, you know, bless this food, help my kids be safe, help the 49ers to lose, and amen, right? Like, just blowing through my list, okay, God, here's what I need, and I'm off. Right, what does it look like, discipleship, to love Jesus and people more? It means being in community with people, inviting people into your life, entering and stepping into the lives of the people around you, and being in real relationship with them. Real relationship takes time. You cannot hurry through it. And you think about that. When are you most frustrated with the people around you? Typically, it's when they're slowing you down, right? When you gotta get out the door, when you gotta get to school, you gotta get to work, and your kids are walking around still looking for their coat. They can't find it anywhere. They happen to be wearing it, but they can't find it anywhere. And you're late, and you get frustrated with them. Right? You can't do relationship well and be in a state of hurry. And so this, these spiritual disciplines, this walk of, of the Christian life, this walking with Jesus, it must slow down. We can't do it in a hurried sense. And that's why Carl Jung says, look, it's, it's, the hurry is the devil. He's going to stop you from true discipleship. Matthew 20, or I'm sorry, Matthew 11, 28. This has been one of the main verses we've been spending time in um, during this series. I want to read it again this morning to us because, man, I think we need to hear this over and over again. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and, 
and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does that sound incredible? But does that sound like something you can hurry through? Right? Come to me and rest. All right, I got a 20-minute power nap schedule. That's all you got. I can rest for 20 minutes. Come and learn from me. Man, we are a culture that just doesn't really want to learn anymore. We want to be told, but not learn. In other words, like, okay, Jesus, come and learn from you. Is that on YouTube? Can I, can I look up how to be a disciple, how to learn from Jesus? YouTube, a five-minute video. That is so long. Is there a two-minute video in here? Kind of just get the footnotes to that. Right, you can't hurry through that. You can't hurry through rest, learning from Jesus, releasing your burdens, taking on his load. That takes time. That takes practice. That takes a lifestyle. This is not something you're going to accomplish today. I've got to hurry up and, and get rid of hurry in my life. Right? But that's often the way we think. It's so interesting because we, we never read about Jesus being in a hurry, Right? Like, we never read any stories of Jesus in the Gospels where he was in a hurry to get from somewhere, one place to another, or hurry through a conversation, or hurry through whatever he was doing. And if you think about it, like Jesus, he carried the weight of the world on his shoulders, right? He carried the burden of humanity. And Jesus, he had a mission that he was on. Jesus was on a mission. He was here to usher in the kingdom of heaven. He was here to let people know that the kingdom of God is here. Now, repent and believe. Mark 1, 15. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe. That was his mission. His mission was to go to the cross. His mission was to uh, reestablish relationship between man and God. And he only had three years to do it. He had a very short window to complete his mission, and yet... He never one time hurried. Not once. He knew who he was. He knew where he was from, and he knew where he was going. In other words, like Jesus knew his identity, so he didn't have to hurry from here to there to try to figure out what was going to fulfill him and, and what was going to you know, help bolster like, his mission and like, okay, if I do this over here and then I can hurry up and get over here, like I'll gain more followers in this and more people will follow that and then I'll, I'll gain this traction. No, he just... He was on his own mission at his own pace. Three years, and he never hurried, right? And, and a lot of times, to like the frustration of the people around him, right? Like the, the, there's a man that comes to Jesus one time, and he's like, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Will you please come to my house and heal her? And Jesus is like, yeah, I'll come to your house. So they start heading to this man's house, and there's a huge crowd. And as Jesus is walking, all of a sudden he's like, whoa, whoa hold on, guys, hold on. So, somebody, somebody touched me. Who, who touched me? And they're like, are you kidding, Jesus? Like, this guy's daughter's dying. We gotta go. And she's like, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But someone, someone touched me. Who was that? Right? And they're like, there's thousands of people around you right now, Jesus. Everybody has touched you. He's like, no, no, no. Someone touched me with faith. Oh, was that you? Well, hello there. What's your name? You're like, he just, he was not in a hurry. I love it. Uh, uh, a, um, a mentor of mine one time told me, never walk through a crowd quickly. Right? Never walk through a crowd quickly. Jesus never walked through a crowd quickly. He was willing to be there. He was fully present there with the people. Jesus just never, ever hurried. Like I think of the disciples in the boat, right? They go out in a boat, and a storm comes up, and they're all freaking out. I mean, they were fishermen, so if it, they were freaking out, it must have been a pretty bad storm. And they're like, what do we do? We're all going to die. They thought they were going to die. They're like, wake up, Jesus. 
I wonder what that was like. Who, who, who drew the straw to wake up Jesus? Like, Jesus! He's like, what, what? Like, the storm! Oh, really? That's it? Uh, wind, waves, done. Okay, I'm going back to bed. Like, he just, he was just calm and never somewhere else, right? Never thinking somewhere where he wasn't. He was present in the moment where he was. Jesus lived in the moment. He knew where he came from, and he knew where he was going. As followers of Jesus, our job is to slow down and pay attention to the very real presence of God in our lives. To the very real presence of God in our lives. Henry Nouwen said that. See, I've struggled with this in my own life, and I know I've talked to many, many people who say things like, God is just not there in my life right now. I've been praying to God, and I've been praying, and he's not answering my prayer. And I go to church, I go home, I read my Bible, and I, and I don't experience God. I don't, I don't feel that he's there. He doesn't speak to me. I'm just like kind of going through the motions, but God's not there in my life. What's that about? And often the true answer to that is, no, you're not there in your life. You're not the one present. God is always present. To the believer, he promises that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us, that he is actively working consistently, constantly in our lives, but too often we got our noses to the grindstone, our head is down, and we're just plowing through life, right? We're just trucking through life from one thing to the next, and we never stop to look up to see what God is actually doing in our lives. Man, I've been praying, and God has not answered my prayer. I mean, it has been a week, and he's not answered anything, right? Like, we got a time schedule for this. So often, it is us who are not present in our own lives. That's why, as a follower of Jesus, it's our job to pay attention to the very real presence of God in our lives. And all of a sudden, we can see what God is doing. Because Jesus, he was never in a hurry, and he understood this very real truth that you cannot live in relationship and live in hurry at the same time. Paul says it like this in Ephesians chapter 5. I love this. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and songs of, from the Spirit. <clears throat> sing and make melody, I'm sorry, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear what Paul says right there in the letter? I I never really picked up on this, but when I was starting to study hurry, this scripture jumped out on me. He says, first of all, Paul says, look, we need to be careful how we live. We need to live as wise people, not as unwise people. But then he goes right on to differentiate between the two. He says, the wise people make the most of every moment. He says, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. And then he goes on to explain how to make the most of opportunity. He says, look, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another. And he says, sing and make music and give thanks. Give thanks. The first thing he says is, look, you need to be filled with the Spirit. And, and, and when he says, be filled with the Spirit, the, the way he talks about it, the, the way it's written in our Bibles isn't quite perfect with the translation of what it says because we don't speak this way. 
But what he says is, like, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's like this constant thing, this daily thing that you're filled with the Spirit. Like, we need the grace of God and we need the, the strength of God to literally be able to slow down our own lives. Again, because we get addicted to these things like hurry. But then Paul goes on to say this. He says, look, speak to one another. If you want to make the most of every moment, speak to one another. That's what he says. And then he goes on, he says, speak to one another, and he says, uh, with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. What he's saying there is encouragement. Like, encourage one another. If you want to be present in the moment, encourage the people around you. Do you ever just pause and stop to encourage somebody? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's a student that you're in class with. Just to go, man, you did a really great job with that. I'm so blessed by you. But to stop and to encourage each other, to build each other up, that is a big theme in the New Testament, especially once the church comes in. From Acts and beyond, encouraging each other is huge in Scripture. Other, the other ways that we make the most of every moment. He says, sing and make music together. Now, he's not necessarily saying, hey, okay, we're going to make a, make a big hippie circle together, hold hands, we're going to sing together. I, I worked in Venice for, or I worked in LA for a while. The big thing in Venice Beach was like the drum circles. You'd go out to the beach and there'd be like hundreds of people in a circle just banging drums. It was kind of weird. But, but he's, that's not what he's talking about. When he's saying sing together, what he's really saying is worship together. Worship God together. Now, we deliberately, intentionally make time in our services to worship God every week. But I really hope this isn't the only time in the week where you worship God. And I really hope it's not the only time in your week where you worship God with other people. And did you know, like, singing is not the only way to worship God. But you can do so much when you get together. Like, do you ever get together with people or get your family together and just worship God? And you can do that for so, in so many different ways. Like, just talking about what God is doing in your life is a way to start. To glorify God, to go, you guys, I got to tell you what God did in my life this week. That is worship to God, and that's bringing other people into your worship to God. But so often, like I said before, we're not present in the moment. We're not making the most of every opportunity. We got our heads down. We're in this moment, but thinking about that moment, and we don't even see God at work. And so it's so hard to worship him, because why? Because I can't see him at work in my life. But when we can slow down, we can see, no, there's so much to worship God for. And then Paul says the last thing to make the most of every opportunity is to give thanks. Give thanks to God. Realize everything that you have, everything you are comes from God. And Paul says in every, in every situation, no matter what the situation is, that you're going to give thanks to God. Again, you can't do that if you're not seeing what God is doing in your life. So I want to challenge us today. Are we making the most of every opportunity? That is how you live as wise people. So how do we do this? I want to give us some practical steps that we can walk through, that we can start today to begin the journey, the process of slowing down in our lives. So you ready for these? Some, some things you can do today, leaving the parking lot. So the first one is this. Drive the speed limit. Crazy, right? Like, who does that? I am a five miles and over, click it in type of guy. Not enough to get pulled over, but enough to you know, feel good about myself. <laughs> Try driving the speed limit. It's, if you're not accustomed to it, if you're just like drive with the traffic, drive whatever I want to drive, it's kind of hard. Drive the speed limit. It's crazy, I know, right? 
And I get it, it's like winter now, and so it's like people drive slower, faster, whatever you're comfortable with in the snow. But like in the summertime, drive the speed limit. Not under the speed limit, don't be that person either. <laughs> Just drive the speed limit. It's hard sometimes. Um, the next one is this. Choose to drive in the slow lane. Choose to drive in the slow lane. Um, someone in a different service asked me to remind everybody that is the right lane. All right, the slow lane is the right lane. Not the center lane, not the left lane. But this, is, this one's really interesting because this, there's actually been a lot of research that's gone into driving in the slow lane. I actually know people who struggled with like stress in their life and it was having real effect on their physical bodies, and their doctor prescribed them to drive in the slow lane. And, and it had major effects on them. To know they were going to choose to drive in the slow lane, to know I have to plan to maybe leave a little bit early. But then, again, like I said, so much research has gone in. They, they, they found out that driving in the slow lane typically makes your trip take about two minutes longer than typical. Yeah, two minutes is about the average that it extends your trip. Like, we've all seen that person, right, like barreling down the highway, cutting everybody off, and then you just, like, see them, and they're gone, and the next thing you know, you exit, and you're right behind them at the stoplight. What? You know, and I know you've all had that done to you. None of you have been that person. We're all victims in this room, right? (laughs) Never done that myself. But drive in the slow lane on purpose. Um, Come to a full and complete stop at stop signs. I said this one last week. This is, if you've, ever, if you've tried it yet, it's kind of hard, especially when there's like nobody around. You almost feel dumb doing it, like, er, nobody's coming, and then I'm going to go. But to choose, like, I'm going to have a moment in my life where I stop and not just keep on going. It's, uh, it makes an impact in your life. Here's one. Uh, don't text and drive. This one is literally killing people, and yet we can't stop being in this place of hurry with it, right? And again, it, it does nothing to do with the speed you're going. Hurry is not just getting from point A to point B, but it's, it's I got to hurry and respond to their text. I got to hurry and get the answer. I got to hurry and let my kids know I'll be home in 10 minutes. I got to hurry because this person texts me, and they're waiting. They're, they're just sitting there on their phone waiting for me to text them back, which they probably are. And so I got to hurry up. It's rude to not text them. No, it's rude to kill people, right? Like, it's a big deal, and yet we, we can't stop doing it. So what if we just stopped being in a hurry to respond and didn't text and drive? Um, here's, a, here's a fun one. Get into the longest checkout line. Yeah, at Costco, right? Like, we're going to have an adventure today. We're going to go do something wild, we're going to go get in the longest line at Costco. Oh, and don't get on your phone at all the whole time. Oh, man, like, I was good with it until you said that, right? Like, what if you just got in the longest line and waited and, and like, had conversation with the people around you? Like, like you talk to people. Yeah, you don't know. I'm like, yeah, cat food, huh? It's a lot of cat food. That's cool. Okay. You have cats, right? They say no. That's weird. It's just weird. Right? But like you're just going to, and maybe everyone's on their phone around you, so you're just going to be present in the moment. You're just going to go, man, God, thank you. Thank you for this ability to have this food, to feed people. Just be present in the moment. Um, put your phone to bed. Put your phone to bed. And it's before your bedtime. Right? Like you get home and it's like, okay, now it's time for the phone to be done. 
I'm going to put it away. I'm going to be present with my family, present with my kids, present with my parents, present with my siblings. I'm going to put my phone away, and I'm going to be present with the people that I'm around. Our phone steals our attention so much, and it causes us to live lives of hurry. And maybe you struggle with this. Maybe you're someone who really struggles with with being on your phone all the time, especially like at home when, when you should be with the people that you're around. And so one thing you can do, this is really cool, this is really interesting. You can put your phone, I don't know if you know this, you can put your phone on black and white mode. You can put your phone on black and white mode. Um, your phones are designed to be beautiful. right? Your phones are designed with, with the pixels and the, bright, uh, the, the colors and the vibrance in it. Like you like to look at it. But when you put it on black and white mode, you do not like to look at your phone anymore. It's crazy. You go to get on social media and you're just like, I'm done. Right? You go look at YouTube and you're like, this is awful. It's, it's gross. It's like black and white is terrible. And it like, it's like flat. It makes your phone flat. It makes everything just look terrible. And you put it on and you'll find yourself like, yeah, I'm done. I don't even want to look at it anymore. But you're, try putting your phone on black and white mode. Another one is... Um, to turn off your notifications on your phone. Turn off your notifications. They're literally designed to keep you on your phone. And so when you turn them off, all of a sudden you just don't feel the need to like, well, well I got to check. I got, I got another notification. Got to see what that's about. Right? Turn off the notifications on your phone. Um, set times for email. Right, like I'm going to look at email and check my email this time, right? At from 9.30 to 10 a.m. on Mondays, Wednesdays at 4 p.m., and again, Fridays at 4 p.m. Those are the times I check email. And I get, I get work can demand more of that. I really do. But man, maybe you could set it where I don't check email at home. And even if you have work that demands you check email at home, I would talk to your supervisors and be like, look, I will check my email until 7 p.m. Then I'm with my family. Like, try to negotiate that. Fight for that. Like, don't be on that constant needing to respond to email all the time. Set times for it. Um, social media. Get off social media if you can, if you want, or, or I get it, we live in a social media world now, and a lot of even business happens on social media. Set times, again, not just for your email, but set times for social media. I get on social media this time, this time, and this time during my week. Not even every day. And set that time. Maybe it's 30 minutes, but then you're on your social media. You don't have to feel guilty about it because this is my social media time. But then what you do is you delete your social media apps off your phone. So now if you go to social media, you got to go to your computer. It takes more work. It takes more time. I even know someone that was talking about how they, on Instagram, Instagram, you have to be on your phone to be able to post to Instagram. And so what they do is they, they open up Instagram, they post their stuff, they're on their you know, 30-minute allotment once a week on Instagram, and then they delete it from their phone. And then when it's time for them to be on social media again, they re-download uh, Instagram to their phone, and they do their stuff, and they delete it from their phone. Like, man, that sounds like a lot of time. Yeah, that's kind of the point. It forces you to slow down. It forces you to be present where you're at with the people you're at. And then finally, the last one is a single task. Single task, not multitask. Like, the verdict is in on this one. If you haven't heard, if you didn't know, multitasking makes you way more less productive. 
it just does. It makes business less productive. There's a lot of companies and businesses that are moving to these new models of trying to do business where their employees are just doing one task at a time. Because if I'm trying to do this task and this task and answer emails and listen to this, conf- you know, this conference call and then I'm also doing this and I'm doing this, like nothing's getting my full undivided attention. Nothing is really getting all of me. It's just getting fractions of me and it, it lowers my production, right? Even like parenting, like stop trying to parent your kids and do the bills and do this and do this. Like take care of each issue as it comes. If you're going to be doing your work, do your work with all your heart, 100%, all your passion, Right? If I'm answering emails, I'm answering emails with all my passion. I'm not trying to do 10 different things. If I'm doing recreation, whatever it is, I'm going to do my recreation with all my passion. If I'm in a relationship moment, I'm doing that relationship moment with all my passion. It's not divided all over the place. Single task. So what if we live lives differently? What if we live lives different than the rest of the culture around us? And it, and it just looked differently. Like what if we actually tried to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives, what would that look like to the world around us? I think, I think it would be noticed, right, in our workplaces and in our, in our neighborhoods and even our families. I think people would notice us being present in the moment to make the most of every opportunity. What if we actually made a plan to love Jesus more and to love people more? Like, what if we slowed down? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you, God, you slowed down. You rested. God, you paved the way. You made the way for us to be able to live life like this and find real, true satisfaction, contentment in life. God, to not blow through our relationships because we're always in a hurry. Always, our minds are always somewhere else, never present. God, forgive us for that. God, you showed us how to do it. You got away. You spent time with your Father, Jesus. You prayed, and you were more productive than any other person to ever live. You accomplished your goal. You accomplished your mission, Jesus. And thank you for accomplishing your mission. God, let us accomplish our mission, God. And together, I pray that our mission, first and foremost, would be to love you more and to love people more. God, let life flow through that filter. But Jesus, help us to slow down. Teach us to slow down, God. Teach us the rhythms of your grace, Jesus. Help us learn from you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.